Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of the Ball and Chain podcast brought to you by Zen Sports, which is the peer-to-peer mobile sports betting app where anybody can come in and create and accept sports bets with anyone else in the world without the need for a centralized bookmaker. Uh, I am your host, Mark Thomas, and coming to you from, I've lost track uh, which day of lockdown and quarantine this is, um, but I'm coming to you again live from San Francisco, uh, or not live, but uh, recording this on Tuesday afternoon from San Francisco. Um, just to kind of kick things off here, we've had a couple of interesting developments on the sports front. Uh, we had uh, the MMA UFC 249 card, which took place on Saturday without a hitch. And there was a, a fighter that did test positive uh, for COVID. And pretty much with without any issues, you know, they just canceled that one specific fight. And all the other ones, uh, you know, took place no problem. And I think, you know, while I'm certainly not glad that somebody tested positive for coronavirus, I think what's what's interesting about this is that, you know, somebody did and there ended up not being any uh, specific issues uh, in terms of uh, managing the rest of the fights. And I think that can be really a model for the rest of the sports uh, leagues that come back is, you know, you just have that testing on site for all the players. And of course, anybody that tests positive just doesn't play that day. They get, uh, you know, they've got a quarantine for 14 days. And, uh, but the rest of it, you know, can continue on as is. So in some ways, I, as again, I don't want anybody testing positive for anything, but in some ways it's almost like a, a little bit of a blessing in disguise that happened because we saw what would happen if that does happen. Um, and that we can get through that in terms of, you know, having the rest of the uh, game event fight or whatever sport it might be go on. Um, and then yesterday the major league baseball owners offered a revised proposal to players to start the season, to restart the season around the 4th of July, uh, of course, without fans. Um, and uh, hopefully the players will accept this proposal. Uh, obviously, it is reduced money. But of course, the original proposal that they had agreed to a few months ago or a couple months ago was under the premise of having fans. And so uh, we're, I, I'm definitely in this one having to side with the owners that uh, they should... Um, you know, uh, be able to resume play here, assuming safety measures can be put in place to make sure everyone's properly tested. So those are kind of our sports updates. And um, I am joined today on the podcast uh, with Jackson Weinreb uh, from BlockWorks Group and uh, would like to welcome him here today. And we're going to talk some sports betting, blockchain and cryptocurrencies. How's it going today, Jackson? Hey, Mark. Uh, it's, it's going well. Uh, h- hanging in there, given everything that's going on. But uh, thank you for having me today. Absolutely. And you're currently in New York. Is that correct? I am. I am. Uh, I'm currently in New York uh, and I am currently living with my parents in Long Island until uh, this all settles over and then I'll probably back in New York City. Right. So, you know, I, I have to ask, uh, you know, what you know, what was the experience like really basically being an epicenter of, of everything there with regards to uh, all the COVID-19 cases uh, and obviously all the tragic fatalities and, um, and everything being uh, really, again, being the epicenter there in New York. Uh, you know, what have the last couple of months been like uh, for, for you and, and any of those that you know around you? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it's been pretty crazy. Um, it really just slowly crept up on us. And then, once it hit, it really hit hard and just everything unraveled and was just, it was like a domino effect. Um, I remember my company actually 
had us start working from home a week before um, everyone else was mandated to start working from home. And when we all left the office, we were joking around with each other, like, oh, like, we'll see you guys in the in the spring or the summer, like thinking, you know, we'll be working from home maybe a week, max two weeks. Now here we are, you know, over two months later, uh, still working from home. Uh, and who knows how long this is going to continue going on for. So it's definitely been a a crazy time, uh, you know, a huge transition just in like our everyday routine, our lives. But, uh, you know, you just got to do what you got to do to uh, look at, like, I guess, the positives in this and continue, you know, living your life and not letting it affect you too much. Because at the end of the day, we can only control so much. So we got to do what we can to just, uh, you know, keep pushing forward and, you know, just hoping that eventually uh, they'll, they'll you know, put together a vaccine and we'll, we'll start to slowly uh, fight our way out of this. So um, a couple of things uh, on, on that note. Uh, so, well, why don't I just, you know, kind of touch on what you just said. So um, <clears throat> do you believe that things should be shut down until there's a vaccine? Because what if we don't ever come up with a vaccine? Like what if it's, um, you know, uh, what if it's two years, three years, five years, seven years before we have vaccine? Like what, what would you see coming into place prior to that or do you think we should just absolutely stay locked down until that until that's ready yeah um to be totally honest with you i I could see the argument from both sides of uh the debate uh i personally think that our best course of action right now is to stay put stay locked down um obviously governor cuomo has said uh recently that we were going for like a may 15th target date for things to slowly start opening back up I personally don't think there would be any benefit uh, to things opening up right now. I think the only way that, uh, you know, vaccine aside, the only way that we're going to start to, you know, progressively get better as a whole is by, you know, continuing our best practices by staying inside, washing our hands, not touching our faces, staying safe. Um, So I think we have to continue to, you know, kind of uphold all those measures and tactics. And then, uh, you know, we could take it step by step. Um, I, I personally think that, you know, whatever the target date may be for a vaccine, um, I'm, I'm hearing like December, January is, uh, you know, best case scenario. I honestly think that we should continue to stay locked down until then. Um, and then if come then, it's looking like it's going to be another, like you said, year, two years, three years, five years, hypothetically speaking. At that point, we're obviously going to have to figure something out because we can't live like this forever. But um, for now, I think we have to be smart. We have to be safe. And I think the best, uh, you know, best and safest way to do that is just continuing to uh, stay inside and uh, try to avoid, you know, contact as much as possible. See, it's very interesting to hear your perspective on it. Um, And maybe this is good. We get a little we get a little controversy here. So I'm actually in the other camp. (laughs) But but so like I I said, I see both I see both sides of the the debate. So I'm not not judging by any means. No, I'm not either, by the way. But so here's the thing. So I do think I do think partially probably by being in the epicenter of it probably completely, um, you know, definitely gave you a different perspective. Um, so for example, like in San Francisco, we barely had any deaths, um, and, uh, uh, count on a few hands, how many deaths there were, um, and hardly any cases. Um, and I do think there is something to the different strain, uh, kind of theories that some of the scientists have, uh, thrown about out there because we actually had our first recorded case here in mid January. Um, yet we barely have had in the Bay area that is, um, but at the same time, we barely had really 
hardly any issues comparatively speaking to especially places like New York. Um, and whereas obviously New York got hit really, really, really hard. Um, and so there might be something to that, that strain theory. So I'm of the, well, I'm definitely of a different opinion. I've spent a lot of time researching the data, gone very deep down the rabbit hole when it, when it comes to that. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously if we were pretty confident a vaccine would be ready in say nine or 12 months and that I do think that would be, um, a very legitimate uh, strategy. I think the problem is, is um, like vaccines could take 10 years or, or theoretically not even come about. And so I, I still, I still like to, I, I, well, a lot of things, but I mean, very quickly on the, on, on what I think summarize what we should do is I do think the, the approach should be more nuanced. I do think right now the blanket one size fits all doesn't work. Um, I think it should be location specific. I think it should be agent demographic specific. Uh, of course, obviously worker specific, um, testing specific. Um, but I'm of the mindset actually, um, you know, if we can implement more testing, um, and if we, if we, um, do masks, if we keep social distancing, um, I, I really, I'm, I'm definitely in the other camp, but I completely understand your, your viewpoint simply because you're obviously, you've seen a lot, um, that for example, like I haven't seen, um, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. And we're not epi- epidemiologists here. We're not doctors. Um, but uh, I think it's good for everybody to spend time in the data, really looking at the data across all the different spectrums. And I think it's healthy, actually, for people to form opinions on it on both sides um, so that it's not just a we don't we don't just uh, unquestion authority. We uh, we 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 question it healthily health in a healthy manner. Um, and we come up with solutions that are viable. And so I want to use that as a springboard to talk about kind of sports, um, closing down, um, hopefully opening back up. Um, so, so clearly you're, you're in a, you know, in the opposite viewpoint of me. So what about the notion of sports coming back in a capacity where they're in, for example, like let's say baseball comes back in just one or two locations. If they test players every single day, um, if they obviously quarantine those that, um, have any issues, what is, you know, given that you're, you, you know, how you kind of broadly feel, what is your thoughts on sports specifically coming back um, way sooner than, you know, six months from now? Let's say they're coming back in the next couple of months. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm all for that. I, I could use some sports in my life, so I'll never, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never, I'll never complain or argue against uh, having sports back. Um, with that being said, uh, I, 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 you know, as, aside from that, I really wouldn't have a problem with it because I think that if the league is regulating it, all the players are tested, they're doing it in, you know, certain locations, you know, one or two stadiums, whatever it may be, and there's no fans. Um, I really just, I don't see an issue with it as long as, you know, they're upholding those practices. Mm-hmm. And obviously then players are them being smart and not, you know, going out and being reckless. And they still, when they aren't playing the sport, are staying inside and trying to like refrain from contact. Um, I will say in regards to baseball in particular, I think that would be a very, very tough sport to play with no fans because I think we've seen in the past, you know, five, 10, 15 years, the sport is gradually declining in terms of popularity. Um, and I think what saves the sport of baseball is actually, uh, you know, the fan aspect and being able to go to the game because nothing beats, you know, a Friday night, 7 p.m., summer game, you know, under the lights, uh, go into an MLB game. So without having that, and you're going to want people to watch a full nine inning baseball game on TV, 
maybe when it's the only sport on, I could see, you know, it, it's sticking a little bit. But if that's going to compete with, you know, the NFL or the NBA um, for airtime on TV when no one's allowed to go to games, I, 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 I would be shocked if baseball survived um, just to, you know, the, the sheer popularity of it and kind of the difficulty and lack of entertainment, in my opinion, to watching it on TV. I'm not sure uh, what your standpoint is on baseball, but that's kind of my, my, my two thoughts there. Yeah, that's interesting because <clears throat> clearly the NFL is made for TV, right? I mean, that is like as made for TV as you can get. So uh, while on one hand, it, it would be weird <clears throat> not having fans be at the games to affect the crowd, you know, affect the game, have crowd noise and so forth. I mean, the game for the NFL is built for TV. It just is. I mean, I went to the NFC championship game with, um, you know, to see my Packers play, uh, or I guess they call that playing <laughs> against the Niners. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I wasn't playing very well. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, it was great to be at the game, but it was actually a reminder for me. I'm like, I, I just have to admit the NFL is just, it's, it's in some ways, unless you're like right in the 50 yard line, maybe halfway up, it is really built for TV. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and so conversely, like you mentioned, baseball is really built for being at the game. Um, you know, being outside in warm weather, uh, you know, it's a very relaxing sport. You can talk with your friends, um, not worry about like missing that very next play, like maybe in basketball, uh, you can have a hot dog and a beer and just relax. Um, so it's a much more made for in-person kind of uh, experience than uh, the NFL for sure is. I think the NBA kind of almost is in the middle. Uh, I, I love going to NBA games. NBA games are a, a lot of fun, um, but you can also clearly get <clears throat> enough entertainment when um, uh, you know watching it on TV. I will say this, uh, I guess, to play a little bit devil's advocate again. I so first of all, I think yes, if it's the only major sport league back, like we need it, like just just do it, like let's let's get some sports going back. Um, although I know, of course, we had MMA this last weekend. We've had esports. Golf is coming back. NASCAR. But of the quote unquote four major professional sports leagues in the U.S., um, seeing baseball come back, even if you know as the first would be would be great. Um, I, I'd say the only um, thing is is that this might be a good opportunity for baseball to experiment uh, with some different things. Um, you know, in a shortened season, maybe they could experiment with a pitch clock um, to speed things up. Uh, sounds to me like they might actually experiment with an automated strike zone um, to not have as many people uh, behind the plate as otherwise. So, um, you know, maybe baseball could use this as an opportunity to um, make it a more TV friendly experience. Um, so maybe it forces their hand a little bit uh, to create a better experience and maybe some of those uh, things they can use going forward uh, to make their broadcast more engaging. Yeah, um, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and, and kind of going off of that TV friendly experience, I think someone who did a really good job with that, I don't know if you watched any of the games, but was the XFL. Um, I think they understood that they're, you know, the little brother to the NFL to obviously never be as popular, but the way they went about broadcasting the games, um, you know, going inside uh, interviews during the game, having like the uh, audience able to hear the coaches calling the plays. It was little things like that where it really enhanced the fan experience watching it on TV. Um, so I think, you know, baseball in order for them to, I guess, you know, flourish in this type of environment with no fans and relying on viewership from people watching on TV, they really do need to get creative and think of ways of uh, making it the most interactive and entertaining uh, sporting event uh, while watching it on your television. 
Right. Um, and then there's the other slight challenge uh, to now take the opposite, you know, kind of uh, thought is that there is another challenge for baseball in that they were, they would actually be starting their season over from scratch. Whereas if baseball and excuse me, if the NBA and NHL come back, um, they can just go right into the playoffs. They don't have to worry about trying to start the regular season. Um, they don't have to have, obviously, then all the players come back because they're just having the playoff teams come back if it's um, NBA and NHL coming right into the playoffs. And and it's much easier to do uh, basketball and hockey in one specific like like location, like, say, Disney World, for example. So if the NBA returns and brings the playoffs back, brings the top 16 teams, uh, so you're talking probably, I don't know, what, 20 to 25 staff per team, including players. So that's a couple hundred, you know, 250 to 300 folks. That's not that bad versus trying to bring back you know, uh, 750 to a thousand folks for baseball, or I mean, you know, 1700 people back for uh, football. Um, I think the NBA and NHL in some ways are in a little bit of a easier spot. Um, assuming again, they can get the buy-in from the players and, um, uh, work out some of the logistics. I mean, they easily could, um, just take over Disney world quarantine, you know, everyone there, uh, keep everybody else out. And um, and just start the playoffs and uh, broadcast the games there. Right. So um, one of the things that we want to kind of touch on now is how does um, a lot of this kind of affect uh, sports betting um, in general? So uh, I know that you enjoy uh, betting on sports, you know, as a, as a casual sports better. So what have you been betting on, if anything, um, in the last couple of months, while most of the major sports leagues have been shut down. And if you have been betting on anything, what has that been? What does that look like? If you haven't, um, you know, what, what is kind of your game plan for getting back into sports betting? Like, is there anything specific that you're waiting for? Um, or what does that look like and how that plays out? Yeah. So, I mean, at the last big sporting event was the Super Bowl. Um, and I, I did, I did take the Chiefs. So, had a had a successful Super Bowl, nice. exciting how they they came back, won, so that that was great. And um, well, I hit the so Niners, so uh, we're, we were both happy there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, they, they they dismantled your Packers, so yeah, uh, exactly. Best case scenario for you, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I, I love I love Pat Mahomes, you know, Tyree Kill, Kelsey, all those guys. Um, you know, that team is absolutely electric. So I was like, there is no way. I don't care what you say about the Niners defense; they're not losing this game. Um, I was all over the, uh, I was all over the chiefs, um, even took them live when they were down. Um, I was like, they are not losing this game. Ended up working out. It was electric. I, you know, I ride into the sunset all, all hyped up. And, uh, you know, after that, I kind of like took a little breather from betting. I was kind of just like, you know, this was such a great, uh, victory for me that like, you know, I, you know, I could take a little break. We got a full season of basketball head. That's how I'm thinking about at the time. And then, you know, a month later, a little over a month later, you know, all this breaks down and there's no sports to bet on. I'm like, oh my God, like, this is insane. Like, there's just no sports. There's no entertainment. There's nothing to bet on. Like, what am I going to do with myself? Um, so I'm, so I'm just like, you know, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's for the best, you know, get a little break from sport betting, you know, don't, I'll save up my money. Don't have to worry about losing. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I'm coming off the, the Super Bowl W. Wait, so, you, you, know, you, don't, you don't win every time you place a bet? I win ninety percent of the time. Ah, you know? that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm the best of the best. No, I'm not going to advertise myself as that. But uh, as long as you're having fun doing it, then it's all right. But uh, yeah, so so I kind of like took a break. But then the NFL draft rolled around, and I was like, all right, like time time to get some action going again. So I you know got excited. I, I took some prop bets. Um, ended up just doing absolutely terrible with those prop bets. Nothing hit. And I was just like, wow, all right, well, maybe it was for the best that I wasn't betting. Um, but then after those prop bets didn't hit, I was kind of pissed because I was like, I want to win back what I lost. So I, I ended up actually, for my first time ever, I placed a uh, a bet on an, uh, a Madden Twitch game. I don't know, how, like, I guess it was like a simulation, but it was literally a game. It was the... Was the NFL 2K um, tournament? No, no, it was it was a Madden game. It was oh. it was the Raven Ravens versus the Packers. You're a Packers fan, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was the Ravens versus the Packers in a in a in a Twitch, I guess, stream simulation. Absolutely absurd. I would never ever like think about betting on something like this, but desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, so I took the Ravens first half minus three on the road against the Packers, and uh, Lamar Jackson and the boys came through for me. Uh, and that was the last bet I placed. Cause after that, I was like, okay, I, I really need to take a breather until sports officially come back. Cause I do not want to fall down the rabbit hole of, uh, betting on esports. <laughs> <laughs> well now, so here's the interesting thing. So we launched esports betting, uh, almost about a month ago, uh, League of legends and counter strike. Go. that's a little different though than what you're talking about. Cause you're talking about simulated games, um, yeah. versus, uh, League of legends and counter strike. Go are actually players playing the games. They're not, they're not simulations. Um, they're actually just like, uh, you know, players doing anything else like poker or any other sport. Um, but except, uh, you know, they're, they're playing Counter-Strike O and League of Legends, whereas simulated games, there's nobody playing it. It's just the simulation of, uh, the computer, uh, that's doing it. And they did the same thing for NFL 2K. In fact, in that the Packers actually won the Super Bowl. So, uh, <laughs> well, at least, at least you could dream in, uh, in video. Yeah. Games. <laughs> see, Hey, Hey, in a computerized world, the Packers are champs. So that's all that matters. <laughs> so, so we're good there. Um, Whatever helps you sleep at night. yeah, well, Hey, you know, uh, uh, it's all we, it's all we got right now. Uh, actually I have to say real quickly on that the Packers overachieved last year. Uh, I mean, 13 and three in an NFC, you know, uh, you know, title game was, I mean, I, I would never have thought that after two straight years of missing the playoffs. So uh, I'll take that. But anyways, um, I mean, I'm much more, again, this is, uh, I, I have to preface this by saying I, I complain about this on every podcast because uh, I'm also a Bucks fan. And uh, of all the years uh, for this to happen, uh, they had to have it happen when they were not just like a total shoe in to go to the NBA finals, but uh, I mean, historically good, historically good, like one of the top five yeah. to 10 best teams ever. And so <laughs> to have that, so I am desperately hoping <clears throat> for a return back for the NBA playoffs um, in every way, shape and form. And they've already played like 66 or 67 games. So they are good to go. In, ter- in fact, that's how long the season should be anyways for the NBA. So, I mean, they are totally good to go in terms of getting the playoffs back. If we, in terms of like determining a champion, if they can just get these games going again uh, for the playoffs. Uh, but so, yeah, so kind of, you know, that was uh that was a uh, pretty heartbreaking. So are you then waiting? Is there a specific sport that you prefer to bet on? Are you, that you're waiting for it to come back? Cause more things are coming back online. So obviously esports betting has been around. So MMA just came back this past Saturday, as I mentioned with the UFC 249 fight card, NASCAR is coming back next weekend. <clears throat> if you like soccer, Bundesliga is coming back next weekend. 
Uh, English Premier League has been given the go-ahead to come back, I believe, June 1st. Uh, PGA Golf is coming back in June, although probably more towards the end of June. And then, of course, we talked about uh, the uh, baseball owners have proposed a uh, or offered a proposal to the players union to come back July 4th. So what are you waiting for or what are you going to start betting on uh, as soon as you know more of these leagues start to come back online? Yeah, I, I mean, to be to be honest, I really would say that I predominantly bet on NBA and NFL. OK, um, you know, I'll sprinkle in like a little baseball here and there when it's just like a really good pitching matchup. And I'm like, I, I got to go with, you know, Kershaw against some some no name who just got caught up from like the minor leagues. You know, I'll, I'll do that. But for the most part, it's really for me. I like to stick to uh, NBA, NFL little bit of uh college football college basketball but NBA and NFL are definitely like my bread and butter um I love just NFL season like every Sunday just literally sitting on the couch from 1 to 7 p.m watching uh red zone and uh you know getting my action in uh following my fantasy teams all that and then so I would say like during that time NBA for me is like a little lighter because I'm really all in focused on football but once once football ends, I, I usually transition and like kind of like a a, fli- a switch gets flipped inside of me. And I'm like, all right, time to uh, get excited about the NBA and really go all in there with uh, betting and like uh, daily fantasy, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, those are really the two main sports. So the sports that ha- are rumored to be coming back, like you just mentioned with like UFC, I didn't I didn't bother touching that this past weekend. Uh, and, you know, may- maybe like on golf, I would get some like good odds on someone and say they'll win the, the, uh, the tournament. But, you know, other than that, I'm not, I'm not really going too crazy with, uh, sports outside the NFL and the NBA. Got it. So specifically in the NBA, I'm kind of curious, what kind of bets do you like to, uh, to place there? Um, yeah, I would, it, it really depends on the mood. Uh, over unders are always, well, unders actually are, the worst thing to bet. There is nothing worse than watching a basketball game and rooting for there to be no points scored. Um, it's absolutely brutal. So <laughs> I try to avoid at all co- at all costs to uh, bet on the under. But you know, betting on the over is obviously fun. You're rooting for points. Um, and then, really, what it comes down to for me is, I think the NBA is, especially during the regular season, it's a long season. It's 82 games, so you really have to take into account, you know, who's the home team. Ha- the teams that are playing, who's is it a road trip for one of the teams? Is it a back to back? Because I really do think that um, when teams are you know on a road trip, five six game road trip, whatever it may be, and they're playing like a back to back game, like it takes a toll on them. And I've I've even heard players on whether it's like podcasts or interviews on the side, like talk about that how it's just so tough, like you know going on a road trip, especially when it's like you know you're on like a five game road trip and you're going to places like Cleveland and not to throw your bucks under the bus, but not like Milwaukee's probably that exciting of a city. Um, <laughs> so, hey, there's a lot of good you, beer, a lot of good cheese. <laughs> sure, there's a lot of good beer, but may, maybe not as much uh, to do as a place like New York City or no, LA. of course, <laughs> definitely not. Um, so yeah, I, I think you you do have to take all that into into account, and uh, so you know you don't want to get too stir crazy when placing a bet because at the end of the day, I think you got to go with your gut, but. You know, it's it's it, it it does take some knowledge and some skill when you're, you know, placing action on these games. So I think if you are gonna, you know, wage your money, you might as well try to put yourself in the best situation to make the most, you know, educated pick out there. 
Yeah, so it's really interesting because when we had Dan uh, from Cleet Street on the podcast on Friday, so he's a big better on uh, on baseball just because he uh, there's so many games, so he can kind of ride out any ups and downs from a volatility perspective, which I thought was a really interesting perspective. He also does bet on the NFL, uh, NBA not so much. I really enjoy betting on the NBA actually. Um, <clears throat> I feel part of the part of the problem with the NFL is you, you really do have the any given Sunday issue where you know I mean anybody can. You know, it's it's such a it's such a kind of hype sport where if a team just happens to get hyped up for that day, um, they can come out and play really well, uh, especially if they're at home, uh, or especially maybe if you know I don't know if they maybe made some changes, you know, with the coaching staff or whatnot. Um, and and also you get, in my opinion, a lot more backdoor covers in the NFL uh, simply because of you know teams kind of playing prevent defenses when they get up by points, or you get some fluky you know uh, you know pick six. Um, or I think what was that, that Niners Cardinals game, uh, where I think it was, uh, Niners were favored by 10 at home and, yep. uh, they were up by, I don't know, three, I think, I don't remember what it was. And they got some, uh, the, basically the Cardinals were doing a, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a, you know, hook and ladder, a down the field type of thing, fumbled it and the Niners ran it back for a touchdown to, uh, to create a push on the uh on the point spread there on, on literally like the last play of the game whereas the nba i mean of course you can get back to covers i'm not saying you can't but especially with the over unders um it does tend to play itself out in a normal fashion uh I, and i think also you can kind of look at the stats a little bit more a little bit more of the home road splits um a little bit more of the particular matchups you're getting for that night. And uh, I think you can generally find some pretty good value in some of those over-unders. I also think, interestingly enough, I think in the earlier rounds of the playoffs in basketball, especially the first round, is uh, you tend to get um, you tend to get more blowouts, of course. And so you t- the uh, taking the, the favorite with the points, I've, I've found to be pretty successful there uh, because they generally... I don't know, for some reason, they don't want to, whatever it is, uh, they don't want to um, make those point spreads too large. Um, and so, but they end up generally covering. Uh, so I think that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting stuff as well. So um, next thing I want to talk about is um, kind of like your whole entire uh, experience, like on the blockchain and crypto side of things. So you currently work at uh, Blockworks Group. So could you uh, tell our audience a little bit more what Blockworks Group does? Um, you know, what your role and involvement there is, all the different areas that it touches on from a media perspective, from a marketing perspective, the industries of just would love the, uh, the overview of everything that it does. And then I have some, you know, kind of follow up questions uh, for you from there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so Blockworks Group, uh, to put it simply, you know, we're an events and media company in the crypto and blockchain space. So on the event side, you know, we host conferences where, the main goal is to kind of bridge that gap between the traditional finance space uh, with digital assets. So we try to do this by bringing together uh, both sides of the uh, spectrum where you have, you know, traditional financial institutions that come to our conferences alongside, you know, crypto startups, uh, some of the bigger crypto companies. Um, and it's really just a, uh, you know, hands-on way to educate the entire community and allow people to network um, obviously events are on complete hold right now. Um, you know, we've done ve- events in New York city. Uh, we did one in London in February, you know, a month before COVID actually broke out. So we got lucky there. Um, 
but yeah, so right now, obviously, events are on the complete back burner, and we're fortunate enough that we do have a media side of our business uh, where we actually have a podcast network of about 20 podcasts. Um, at first, we only had podcasts that were really focusing on uh, crypto shows, um, really like crypto-oriented, uh, but we've you know diversified over the past year, and um, so we offer crypto, finance, tech shows. Um, so we kind of have like a wide variety where in terms of, I guess, uh, people sponsoring our shows, it doesn't necessarily only have to be crypto companies because now we, you know, are more well-versed and have other shows that appeal to like a more broad audience. So we can get more creative in terms of, uh, working with our sponsors. But I think, you know, in all this, we are very, very, uh, thankful and grateful to have diversified and have that media side of our business because, to be honest, I'm not really sure what we would have done if, uh, you know, our entire business was, you know, doing these uh, these conferences because, um, you know, you can only go so long without bringing in any sort of revenue for a company. So, you know, we're really fortunate uh, to have our, our podcasts and, you know, we're, 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 you know, pushing along, making the best of it. And hopefully at some point we'll be able to, you know, resume our conferences. But until then, we're just... Uh, going full speed ahead with our podcasts. So what kinds of, so you said at a high level, you talk about like cryptocurrencies and other fintech and uh, financial topics. Like what are some of the things that you like covering? Um, and what are some of the, do you have any theses and specific kinds of uh, things that you've been covering or interesting insights that you've been finding in the cryptocurrency space lately? Um, you know, in ter- like in particular, like for me personally, I'm doing, you know, like the business development. So it's really my job to best understand um, our product offering and then go out and find relevant sponsors for it. So in terms of like our podcast, uh, given whatever the podcast may be, uh, whether it's, you know, a crypto focused podcast or a more traditional, you know, financially focused podcast, I'm going out and finding uh, prospects to potentially be like a sponsor of the show where their product offering would, you know, lend well uh, with the host and what, and with what they're talking about. Um, so, you know, in terms of like the industry as a whole, um, what, what I'm personally like uncovering, um, I think we're in a very interesting time right now. Obviously, uh, yesterday we just had the Bitcoin halving. So uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of the trajectory that Bitcoin takes over, you know, looking short term the next, you know, six to 12 months, but looking learn- long term over the next uh Four years, you know, every every having uh, we've had Bitcoin is uh, substantially higher in price. I think the one four years ago, Bitcoin was trading at like six hundred fifty dollars or something around that, and you know the one we just had, Bitcoin was around eighty six hundred dollars. Uh, so if we continue on that growth, we we should be uh, over a hundred thousand per Bitcoin come twenty twenty four. So can you explain to our audience what the having means, just for those that may not understand? Yes, yes. Uh, so basically what the having is, is every every 10 minutes, there was uh, miners were rewarded. Um, it was, I think it was like 12, 12.25 Bitcoin. Um, so basically that number gets cut in half. So now it's at 6.25 Bitcoin uh, for every like, for every, for every block. Um, so it's basically how the miners are rewarded. And uh, so, you know, economics 101, when uh, supply goes down, demand goes up. So, you know, generally in the past, we've seen these uh, big bull runs from Bitcoin uh, post-having. It, post-having. 
uh, due to uh, the supply going down and the rewards being uh, greater for these miners. So, you know, hypothetically speaking, you know, we're, we're trading just under 9,000 right now. You know, who knows what we could, where we could be at, uh, you know, in the next 6, 12, 18 months, uh, et cetera. So if uh, the reward for miners is going down, though, could the argument be made that um, there'll be less, mi- there'll be fewer miners that want to do the mining uh, to move the transactions across the blockchain, which could make uh, block uh, Bitcoin transactions specifically more expensive? I guess that argument could be made, but at the same time, with the um, reward going down, it it eliminates the smaller miners. Um, so it's really just the because it's just not profitable for right. them because they can't operate at that at that level. So uh, that leaves you know the 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 bigger players involved in terms of like the mining. Um, and I think just in general with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, um, as we continue. Uh, to progress, we're just going to see more and more adoption to it. Um, and so, you know, especially, I think that that's why the halving is really significant because I, I think as Bitcoin, as the price continues to go up, more and more people are going to, you know, it's going to catch their attention. The people who aren't involved with crypto or blockchain at all are now going to be like, all right, this is something we got to, we got to think about and we got to, uh, you know, explore getting involved with. Right. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, so in terms of, uh, kind of other things with regards to cryptocurrency, so let's just take sports betting since, you know, this is a sports betting and cryptocurrency and blockchain podcast. (laughs) Um, so, uh, just as a kind of a quick note, like what, so like with Zen sports, for example, like, you know, we have, uh, we're very heavily focused on cryptocurrency betting. Um, have you done any betting in cryptocurrency yourself? Um, what is your take for both sports betting and other real world applications for cryptocurrencies, you know, as cryptocurrency moves away from just being a, a possible, you know, uh, trading, uh, speculative, um, instrument and also begins to have real world applications again, like sports betting or, or anything else. Um, you know, what do you see for the future there? Have you done sports betting with crypto before? Have you used cryptocurrency to pay for other goods and services? Um, and what do you see as the outlook moving forward with regards to, uh, specifically with regards to cryptocurrencies? Yeah. Um, I personally have not done any sports betting with cryptocurrencies. Um, but I think that's also the reason why is because I, you know, I haven't really been given the chance to do that. Um, it's not, you know, readily available, but in general betting, especially in New York, isn't, isn't, uh, about really available to the full extent yet. Uh, you go over to New Jersey, it is available. But for me personally, like if I had the option to bet, using Bitcoin, I probably would opt out of that and stick to USD simply because of the uh, store value of Bitcoin. And I personally think Bitcoin is an asset that you hold as it's going to accrue value over time. Um, So I'd rather, you know, I think that the tricky part that comes into play, and I I do see this from both sides, is um, if you are going to be betting with crypto, I think that there needs to be some sort of stable coin uh, involved there because I personally don't want to be betting uh, and then paying, let's say at the time, you know, it's the equivalent of $20 USD, but then in two years, that $20 is now worth $100 where I could have just held that. But at the same time, when you get paid, uh, you have the opportunity to, you know, win your bet, get paid $20, then you hold on to that crypto and then that crypto is worth $100. So, you know, kind of see it from both sides. Um, but I personally, uh, right now, I think 
prefer to be betting, you know, like just with USD in a more so stable environment? Yeah, so it's interesting. So like what we do with Zen Sports is we give people the choice. Um, so we basically solve for all angles. And one of the reasons why we do it that way is then people what kind of like we just said, cause you, you, you know, some people might be on one side of it. Some people might be on the other side in terms of how they feel, um, about betting with cryptocurrencies. Um, so, um, you know, kind of what you just said is, you know, like for us, we try to solve for both on one hand, you can bet with dollars. Um, and of course you get the stability there. On the other hand, you know, we have all sorts of like cool incentives and rewards when you use our token, um, and I do think that there is a, the, like what we have seen specifically with us is that there's a rewards component to the entire betting piece that I think is not really uh, doable when it comes to regular dollars. So of course, when you go to Vegas, for example, like if you, if you, if you play consistently with one particular location or casino, um, you know, they'll reward you for your play. They'll give you comps um, and so forth. Um, that hasn't really kind of found its way into the online betting world very well. Um, and it hasn't found its way into other types of uh, digital products, uh, whether it be, um, you know, uh, ticketing or sporting events or merchandise or whatever. So one of the things that I'm particularly bullish on, take take the sports betting piece aside for a second, is I'm bullish on uh, cryptocurrencies being used for rewards and loyalty. And so for, again, you know, an example of what we offer with uh, Zen Sports, um, you know, you get tokens for betting with it, of course, when you win your wagers, but then you can also earn tokens uh, as rewards for, you know, increasing your betting volume, uh, increasing your play, uh, keeping your money in Zen Sports, making fewer withdrawals, all sorts of stuff like that. And I just, I'm, I'm really excited for the option of, um, cryptocurrencies being a mainstay in the rewards industry. Because if you look at things like airline miles, um, or if you look at, I don't know, like other companies that maybe have points or, um, uh, I don't know, maybe they give you like merchandise, like hoodies and sweatshirts. That just isn't really, that just, that just isn't that exciting people. I mean, while you can certainly enjoy those things, um, they're not easily transferable from one place to the next. Whereas like if you get a credit card that has cash back and you get cash back in re- in return for your uh, use of the card, you know, you can use that cash anywhere, right? It's a currency. And so I think the same thing is a, can be applied to cryptocurrencies is that you can take those cryptocurrencies and, you know, uh, move it across ecosystem. You could use it to buy tickets to the game. You could use it while at the game to buy a hot dog and a soda or get discounts on any of these things. You could use it for going online and buying your player's favorite Jersey. And of course you can use it for betting. Um, and so I think there's some cool things there that can't be done with dollars that can be done with crypto and, and it can be a collectible, right? You know, people can collect it like baseball cards or other memorabilia that they may have. Um, so I, I think that's one of the things I'm really personally very excited about um, with regards to cryptocurrency application um, and how it can be used as rewards and, and utility tool for, um, uh, for those kinds of uh, things. Yeah, no, d- definitely. Um, I kind of going off that too, when you said like in terms of like trading, whether it's like cards or, um, you know, using it as rewards, I think it will be very interesting, you know, kind of going off topic here a little bit, but like in terms of how now players are starting to look into like tokenizing their contracts. Right. Um, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's kind of the the leader in the NBA for leading that charge. Um so the aspect of being able to, you know, tokenize almost a like a contract, but as well as like the players. And it's like, how are we as fans going to be able to um, invest in players the same way we would invest in stocks or cryptocurrencies? 
Um, and I think the ability to, you know, tokenize and that technology um, allowing us to, you know, really take that fan experience to the next level. Um, I definitely agree that, um, you know, in terms of like the future and the adoption, the possibilities are endless. Um, and, you know, it could really make for a full fan experience in terms of, uh, you know, aside from just, you know, buying commodities, really feeling connected to uh, the players in the game. Yeah, totally. I, I, I think that it just it just has a much more fluid way of moving um, between different, uh, again, like ecosystem partners, uh, you know, as you kind of mentioned. And uh, and then also you can, of course, tie them to smart contracts on the blockchain, which are immutable, which is which is also nice. Um, from a, a you know a trust perspective of trusting that 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 whether it be money on the cryptocurrency side or the contracts on the smart contract side are are really there, and uh, I think it's it's just really <clears throat> exciting. And then I, I don't know if you saw this, but I believe it was the uh, the head of the SEC came out and recently said that you know she could foresee a, a digital dollar, um, <clears throat> not. Tether or True USD or one of the other ones that were created by a third party, um, but actually the U.S. government, you know, creating a digital dollar. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, kind of tying this all the way back to what we were talking about at the beginning with regards to COVID or other infectious diseases. You know, I'm I I stopped using paper cash years ago, years ago, and it really actually had nothing to necessarily do with diseases or anything like that. But if you think about what is a big carrier of potentially diseases. Um, it's, you know, transfer, you know, passing off paper bills, uh, you know, and having it touch 500 people's hands uh, before it's eventually out of circulation. Um, you know, uh, NFC payments, um, you know, cryptocurrencies, digital transactions, uh, you know, as, as we have uh, kind of this type of world that we're in right now. I mean, this should even become more so, uh, you know, hopefully put into place, you know, as we as we go about and think of the things that we need to do uh, to make sure that we're all uh, staying safe. Yeah, de- definitely. And, you know, ob- obviously people who uh, aren't yet crypto believers will make the argument for if you're trying to say like, oh, we could do payments with crypto and avoid like the germs and the physical touching. They'll bring in, you know, Venmo or Zelle or whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, I, I, th- I think it, it really comes down to kind of educating the mass and allowing them to see that it's more than just a one-time transaction um, and the long-term value uh, that it holds in terms of, you know, trading crypto back and forth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, at the same time, like, I mean, definitely, I think the digital asset side of space, the space can be, you know, super duper interesting too. Um, I mean, I have a prior real estate background. I think there's a lot of opportunity to digitize uh, real estate, um, you know, uh, uh, transactions as well as um, actually recordings. Um, I mean, digitizing, you know, the county recorder's office, you know, it's still being done with pen and paper and wet signatures and whatnot, um, you know, putting those under the blockchain, you know, I think has some really interesting applications as well, too, um, you know, that are, of course, being done right now. So um, cool, man. Uh, well, you know, as always, like, uh, it's, it's great catching up, Jackson. This was a this is a great pod. Um, really, really appreciate you coming on today. I thought we touched on some really interesting and cool subjects. And uh, definitely, definitely stay safe uh, there, in New York. I'm glad that um, glad that you're good. Glad that you're well. And uh, let's definitely uh, let's definitely chat soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank thank you for having me, Mark. And uh, stay safe as well. <laughs> <laughs>